Hey guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you for checking this podcast out produced entirely by Anchor.fm. Guys, if you're interested in creating your own podcast, Anchor is the easiest way to do it. And the cool part, it's free. Anchor has all the tools to help you create, record, and edit a podcast directly from your phone or computer. They even handle the distribution, putting it out to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other sites. What's really cool about Anchor, they even allow you to monetize your podcast Again, for free, you can generate income from your podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I don't know about you guys, but finding motivated seller leads, good ones that you can buy at a significant discount to make a massive profit on, are few and far between. They're hard to come by unless you're doing a lot of marketing to find these motivated sellers. One of my favorite ways to find motivated sellers that's actually one of the cheaper ways, the more inexpensive ways, is driving for dollars. I love doing it. My three biggest deals to date, 60, 80, and $100,000 wholesales have all come from deals that I acquired driving for dollars guys i love driving for dollars i use deal machine to help track it i use them to plot where i have been as well as build lists occasionally i'll use them for some direct mail and skip tracing but regardless i like using the app versus the old-fashioned route of trying to take pictures or write down the addresses because it's safe it's a lot safer that way and it actually makes driving for dollars fun Guys, if you are interested in driving for dollars, go use my code Dave, D-A-V-E, over at the Deal Machine app. And with that code, you're going to get a 14-day free trial. You're also going to get $15 in deal credits. And these deal credits can be used to send some test direct mail or even some real direct mail um, or skip trace your neighbor, your friend, your girlfriend, whoever that might be, and instantly get phone numbers and email addresses. It allows you to play with the software. I absolutely love it. I use it two to three times a week minimum. Again, go use my code Dave, D-A-V-E, to get a free trial and some free deal credits. Test it out for yourself. I promise you, you are going to love this piece of software. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, David Dodge, co-host, Mike Slane. Thanks, Dave. How, How are you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm well, man. I got good. up early this morning, feeling good, a little workout. 
Awesome. I'm rocking and rolling, man. Workout in before starting today. I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's great. I always do that. It makes me feel uh, like I'm not, you know, starting the day off wrong. You right. Know, just got that done. It's, it's great. So awesome, man. Well, what are we going to talk about today? We're uh, kind of delving into our, um, our shift in topic. So normally we talk about wholesaling. Uh, wholesaling is when you, in real estate, is when you purchase a property at a great price and you sell it at a good price and you make a little spread. So that's our normal topic. We love that because it's a great way to start investing in real estate. You learn all the numbers. Uh, we've got a free course on that, freewholesalecourse.com. We've got a book out there. We've got a book out there now. And that was recently published in Audible, so we're super excited about that. It is on Audible uh, you now. Guys yes. go, very cool. Go very and, cool. And search for either one of our names. It's probably the easiest way to bring it up, or the title. Yeah, that's how I found it. I yeah, just search my own name in there. The ultimate guide to real estate investing. Yep. Or to the ultimate guide to wholesaling real estate. Real estate. Real estate. Yeah. There we go. Man. Mess Book one. one. We're coming out with multiple, <laughs> multiple more though. So yeah, this is exciting. Gonna, yeah, we really liked it. It was fun to put together and uh, and really fun to record the Audible version. So, well, last week we talked about why rentals, mm -hmm. and this week. We're going to talk about how how or <laughs> how rentals. Okay, exactly. Cool, I like it. Uh, so yeah, the, the plan is to talk about what to buy um, and kind of how to buy it, how to fund it. Uh, so if you started out wholesaling like us, you know, you kind of hopefully know your numbers, and that's kind of a recurring thing with rentals is you really have to kind of sharpen that pencil and know your numbers uh, much finer when you're executing the burst strategy especially when you're trying to leave um, as little money in the in the property as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this market with uh, interest rates low and prices kind of slowly climbing here in the Midwest, we definitely want to leverage our money as far as we can. So we're trying to leave as little possible in the houses and just keep repeating, repeating, repeating. It's uh, true. So that burst strategy is buy, rehab, uh, what is it? Uh, refinance, rent, repeat. Uh, and that repeat is what we got to keep Keep harping on. That's correct. So, what do we buy then, Dave? I mean, what's the, uh, what do we, what are we looking for? You know, so what kind of metrics? Yeah, no, that's great. So, when we're purchasing rentals, um, what's very important to us, obviously, Mike had mentioned, know your numbers. So, you need to know your numbers, but also the location. So, the location of the property uh, is going to greatly affect those spreads and those numbers. Certain parts of town, as we know. Um, you might have class A properties or class B or class C or even class D. So sometimes you can buy a property um, in, a, in an area that you might find in another area that's the same size house, but it's double the cost. Mm -hmm. So the location is very, very important. Um, next, we really want to get familiar with the city and county rental laws. So there's particular areas in St. Louis that will charge um, a fee to have a rental property you have to actually have a license there's other parts in town where if there's too many rentals either in that neighborhood or on that street already you can't even rent that house so you definitely want to be familiar with the local laws before you jump in and spend money buying a property that you might not even be able to rent out yeah that's a good point uh that so here in st louis i mean let's talk very specifically so in st louis county uh, we have, if it's an unincorporated area, so St. Louis is a very, uh, I'd say, complicated market for a lot of new people. Uh, in St. Louis County, there are many other municipalities under it, and then those municipalities have their own jurisdiction and their laws on stuff. 
So if yeah. you're in Saint, un- fun, guys. unincorporated St. <laughs> Louis County, uh, you deal with St. Louis County inspectors. If you're in a municipality that is incorporated, such as Berkeley, then you have to deal with Berkeley's inspectors. So Berkeley is what Dave was referring to, is they've got this law passed that says you can only have a certain number of rentals on the street. And you think to yourself, oh, well, that sounds uh, pretty neat. You know, that's a great idea to keep up property values. And, uh, you know, you don't want a whole bunch of tenants moving in that are going to drive down property prices. And that may be the case had Berkeley done this 50 years ago. But the problem with Berkeley is it already has be- is a rental area. It's already turned kind of slummy. So now you're discouraging investors from even buying the property. Well, it's a catch-22. It is. They put the rule into place because the majority of the area was rentals already. And they thought by saying, hey, let's not allow investors to buy here anymore because they don't take care of the properties. Let's make it to where only the owner occupant, the primary resident, you know, people that are wanting to move into the home and own it can do it. But the problem is, is there's not that many people in that area that want to do that. Investors are really the only choice. So the catch 22 is they did it because they wanted to make the area better. But the law, in my opinion, is actually making the area worse. Right. And, and the, the secondary issue with it is that the property values are probably topping out at around $60,000. Top, top. So, yeah. I mean, most of them are probably twenty to $30,000 properties. So you're not going to get many banks that are willing to lend on twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 properties. Yep. So there's just, there's many areas um, or many issues with the area. And again, I, I don't know that they necessarily made a smart move in doing that. But again, that's why it's very important to know uh, your local area pretty well, or not not your local area, to know your investing area. So you don't necessarily need to invest in your backyard. If I was in, uh, and we'll pick an area here in St. Louis, we'll say if you lived in Ladue and you're looking at million dollar houses, driving by million dollar houses each day, it doesn't necessarily make sense to buy something close to you just because you like that area and you're comfortable with it. You've got to get out of your comfort zone and invest in an area that is uh, going to make sense from a numbers perspective uh, so that then you can, again, make, make better cash flow. So it really comes back to that knowing your numbers thing. It's very important. So we're going to invest in areas, in our North County areas, in our South County areas, in uh, some of our West County areas. We can find some, some good homes where the numbers make sense. Uh, so that's very important. Um, so we suggest again, obviously, starting in your backyard, uh, looking your local municipal, looking your local area, uh, because again, you're going to be more familiar with it. Hopefully, Edu- yeah, yeah. Educate yourself. Uh, go out there and attend RIAs and find out where other people are investing. But I do think that's important. Uh, so let's talk about the type of property, Dave. If you want to jump in, yeah, on, yeah. So location is very important. Type of property is another thing that we're always looking at. So are you buying a single family? Are you trying to buy a multiple family? Um, you know, knowing what you're looking for in advance is going to help you tremendously. Don't just go out there and just start shopping without knowing what you're doing. So again, you, you need to know your numbers. So having a bed and bath count, like typically, um, we will, we're looking and searching for three plus bedrooms with at least one and a half bathrooms. Those are the best houses for us. If we can get more, great. Do we own rentals that have two, two one? Yes, of course. Do we own one ones? No, we don't because those houses do not make sense. If we come across those, we try to wholesale them or wholetail them, but we're not interested in buying those to keep because they just don't work for us. So you have to have um, a parameter 
set for what you're looking for. Okay. So let's talk. Let's dive a little bit into that. So why do one bedrooms not work for us, Dave? What's the? Well, it's it's impossible to charge them enough rent to cover the mortgage, the note. Whenever you you know end up buying it, rehabbing it, you got to pay for that. So you have to borrow money to pay for that, and then you have to get all that money back with our strategy, the birth strategy. So you're going to have a very high mortgage after you you know do those two first two steps. Well, the next step is to be able to find a tenant that can pay you at least $200 to $300 more than that. And it's very difficult on a one bedroom to get eight or 900 bucks in rent. Yeah. Well, unless you do a really nice job on it. It's interesting because that kind of even gets into your construction quality, which you'd mentioned, uh, and kind of your construction costs. So a one bedroom still has one kitchen. That's a right. A one bedroom still has one bathroom. Well, it still has one roof, too. So you have It has to... all of the components, all of the systems, the electric, the plumbing, the the um, the water. You exactly. Know, you name so you it. have to you have to repair all those things, but you've only got one bedroom. Whereas collecting a, rent. And yeah. a bedroom is relatively cheap in the whole scheme of construction. So the kitchen it's the cheapest is cheapest part. So to have a <laughs> exactly so to have you can build a bedroom for fucking for eight grand right you know? so to have another bedroom is very inexpensive now you can't add on to a property that cheaply you can't add a second bedroom sure. on that cheaply but again when it when it's enclosed already it's very cheap to replace flooring paint and a light fixture or flooring doors and you know so so bedrooms are relatively inexpensive to rehab that's why the one bedroom uh, the cost of rehabbing it is higher per bedroom essentially. Uh, and that's not necessarily the way I look at it, but it's just it's it's a higher cost to rehab it and only get one bedroom worth of rental. Yeah, when you area. dollar cost average two bedrooms versus one, all your costs are half. Right. So that's why three bedroom is a good uh, is where a lot of investors like to play. Now, that's not to say that that one bedrooms aren't going to make sense for you. I know uh, or I've heard of. I don't actually know of the person, but it was a friend of a friend, and they solely invest in one bedroom units. Why? Well. Because not many people do. So then there's less demand for it. So a one bedroom unit. Yeah, that's a strategy, I guess, you could go with. Well, the one bedroom unit, there's not as many people competing. So you can go in and offer much less money and hopefully get some relatively good deals on it. Right. Then who's going to rent a one bedroom? The one bedroom might be rented by a single person. It could be person. a couple, but mostly a single person. In a lot Typically, of they're not going to have kids. A lot, exactly. They're not going to have kids. A lot of time, it's an older person. They're not going to move that often. Yeah. So I was told that this there's, person... There's certain strategies with that. Yeah. This person has had some success with that because he's able to keep tenants in place for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And he's able to pick up properties for a little bit less because there's not as many people that are hunting for those one-bedroom right, houses. Right. So again, it's different strategies. But for us, again, our metrics is is that uh, three-bedroom. So Dave, you want to keep going on with uh, yeah, yeah. the type so, of property? What so, else are we thinking about so here? So bed-bath count's very important. Um, construction quality, you had mentioned, Mike. Um, also, does it have a basement? Does it have a garage? These these things are going to be very different from market to market. Um, I know some cities have no basements at all, right? Well, in St. Louis, where we invest, 99% of the houses have basements. Um, but they might not have a basement um, that's, that's a good basement. They could have a partial basement. They might even have a crawl space. I shouldn't say 99%, probably about 75% because there are some slabs. Um, but if you have a basement to offer, it's either more living space or it's more storage space for the tenant. Again, you have to, you have to go into this understanding that you're buying something that you're going to be renting out. So you want your tenant to have, or you want to be able to provide your tenant with all of the possible things that they may need. 
So storage is going to be something that you can provide them. Um, going beyond that to a garage, that also creates storage or it can create parking. A lot of people don't want to leave their car out in, uh, in, on the street because you know, the sun's going to you know, tear up the paint and, and deteriorate the car as, as well as water. But on top of that, it's going to be more likely to get broken into. So being able to offer somebody covered parking or even secured parking, which is what a garage can provide, it's going to also increase the value of the home, but allow you even, even more to increase the value of the rent. So you, know, you can charge more and make more. The way my mind works, I'm just kind of wandering off here, Dave, and I'm thinking, why do we have basements in St. Louis? Why are basements so common in the Midwest? Do you know? I always, I mean, just growing up, I always thought it was, oh, because we have severe storms and twisters, you know, the tornadoes come in, everybody wants a basement. That's a, it's a good, that's actually a really good question. Yeah. Theory. I don't, too, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I have no idea why we have basements. I don't know. I mean, I because know. we can, I guess. Right. I guess in some places, you know, like they don't because Florida, you can't, you can't, really, you you know, can't see the level. water table's too high or... You living on like some places it's all just rock yeah like in Austin, oh, exactly you, couldn't, you, you can't couldn't everything's take, rock yeah. you can't unless you want to spend a hundred thousand to put a basement it's just not worth it yeah but here everything is just soil you can dig down real easy i think mm. that's probably a reason but it yeah. also adds square footage mm -hmm. oh know, yeah not, not necessarily you know Safety. square footage that's on the tax records but it adds oh it's know, it can be livable space livable it's storage space, space. it's right. uh yeah no basements are awesome uh, but again, I just kind of, I don't know, I guess, I guess you're right. It's probably because we can. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I guess the, the storm thing is uh, a little bit of an issue. Absolutely. But yeah, so let's like circle back though, to knowing your numbers. So let's the last part of what we're looking for, other than location, and then of course, type of property, um, type of property, also condition, which we'll get into in later chapters or later episodes. Um, condition makes a big difference too. Um, but last for this particular episode is the rent. So we want to be able to figure out our cash flow. And this goes into knowing, you know, what we're going to be paying for the property, how much it's going to cost to fix that property, and then knowing what we're going to be bringing in rent. So you want to be able to buy properties that are going to have a good cash flow. And that just means all the money that's left over after you pay your bills. Okay. And again, we talked about this a little bit earlier where you have classes of properties, you have A and B and C and in certain areas, you may have negative cash flow. The amount of money that it costs to buy that property for the amount of money that it costs or that, that you can collect and rent could be a negative number. So you want to find areas that provide high cash flow, not necessarily bad areas, but areas that are lower quality than A in terms of class, but are still desirable, nice areas. We try to invest in B and C areas. Here at yeah, and a lot of people define uh, the asset classes differently, but I would say that's how we define it, definitely, mm -hmm. is B and C kind of areas, uh, which are, again, they're desirable areas. People work in class. Uh, people want to live there. Uh, it's a good mix of homeowners and uh, uh, landlords. That way, property values stay up and hopefully have other landlords that help maintain their properties. And uh, yeah, so property values remain, remain stable. So yeah, know your numbers though. The rent estimate, like Dave said, very important. Uh, where can you find that? Well, one of those big players, Zillow.com. Zillow is great for giving you um, an estimate. An estimate. Yeah, Again, I mean, it basically pools all the neighbors' neighborhood, people that have, have posted their property for rent on their own website. 
and it averages all those numbers. It's right. actually a pretty good understanding. And oh, yeah. Nasty. So then other ways to find it is go out and look for a property for rent. Yeah, that's, so a, that's the like, best way to find it. Pretend like you're a tenant or uh, you know somebody looking for a property and, and search property management websites, search um, forrent.com, places like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, just Google property for rent and your municipality or your zip code that the property's in and see what's available. Yeah, Zillow is a great tool too. Yeah, definitely. And you want to you want to compare the quality of the in, insides uh, of that property and, and the rent on each of those. So yeah, good thing. Cool, cool, cool. So next thing, uh, let's jump into funding your purchase. Okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, what to buy uh, and we'll recap real quick. So it was location, uh, the type of property and knowing your numbers, find out the rent, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, now we want to talk about how to fund your purchase. Okay, so our target audience is usually the wholesalers, uh, but we're going to circle back and kind of talk, uh, you know, from a beginning investor standpoint, how do you get started? So uh, I want to remember that's our audience, but the first first way to buy them. That's a good point, Mike. You know what I mean? I always like to try oh, to say, absolutely. hey, if I'm a new guy. Uh, nobody, not everyone has a bunch of private lenders just waiting to give them money. Yeah, or $5 million sitting in the bank and I'll just go buy rentals and then make uh, make my money off the cash flow. That's correct. It's not, it doesn't mm -hmm. work like that and we realize that. So this is hopefully written a little bit more for the real world. That's correct. So step one would be cash. If, you're, if you've got a bunch of cash and you're just looking for a high return on your investment, Rentals are a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. So again, you can go out there, you can buy cash, you can leave all your money in it, and done. Yeah, yeah pretty easy. Again, right. you invest 100k. Uh, we like to see, um, you know, about a thousand bucks a month for a 100k property. So again, you're going to make uh, what is that? 12% return on your investment. Mm -hmm. Twelve thousand. But if you don't have the cash, go meet a banker. All right, that's what banks do. That's how they make money: is they lend it to you. And most people don't have 100K laying around to just go buy a property cash. So cash is the first way you can do it, of course. Um, bank loans is the second way. And you just need to go talk to your banker. If you have a W-2 job or you have a job that you know pays you a salary, that is gonna help you tremendously in getting a bank loan. And a lot of people don't realize it, but banks are willing to give five to 10 loans to, to any individual before they wanna start seeing a business buying these properties. I think actually the law allows you to buy 10 homes in your own name right now, uh, or the, 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 the banking requirements, I should say, not the law. But go meet a banker. You can get a bank loan relatively easily to buy a rental property. Um, maybe even get the, the, the amount of money that you need to purchase it and to rehab it from your bank. You won't know until you go ask, so go talk to your bankers. Um, another way would be using private money or hard money, which is in this case kind of the same thing. But all private money is, is just somebody that you know that has money to invest um, and they don't want to go out and buy the home. They don't want to uh, manage a portfolio. They don't want to you know, day trade in the stock market. They want to lend it to you um, at a fixed interest rate and then you take that money and you go buy it and then you get a refi from a bank and you pay them back, okay? Um, there's lots of private money lenders. Go to local RIAs. The one I just went to last week, I had four or five different people hand me a business card and telling me that they, that, that, that they are hard money investors, which is a private money investor essentially. So what is hard money? Hard money is a lender that lends on a hard asset. That's it, it's not hard to get it's just that you have to have a hard asset, aka real estate, in order for them to lend on, on it. And if you can get it at a good deal and you can show them that you can add value by fixing it and sell it for a profit, 
they're going to want a piece of that profit. So they're going to give you the money to go do it. It's really, really easy. Mm -hmm. Go to a local RIA. I literally got four or five people hand me a business card to give me money to go buy a deal at the last RIA that I went to. Yeah, when times are good, money flows, man. Money Especially flows. Especially if you find a good deal. It's people, everywhere. People are willing to give it to you. So don't have that scarcity mindset. Definitely have that abundance mindset when you're in this in this business right. because there's plenty of deals. Yeah, and then private there's money 2.0 would be you can create yourself a fund. We have a course on this actually um, called Savvy Leverage. But you can actually put together up to 25, I think, people's money into a fund and make a business out of it. And then that fund that you control can go buy properties. So lots of ways to fund the purchase. Um, yeah, we I'll talked about cash. We talked about bank loans, private money, which is also hard money, um, funds. What am I missing? Anything else? Transactional funding. But that's not gonna really help you with the rental. Yeah, so we said cash, bank loans, private money. You talk about uh, private lenders versus hard money. You talk about- Yeah, it's the same thing those. really, essentially. Yeah. You know, but yeah. yeah. It's just different varying interest rates. Um, so again, in private- Well, uh, all private hard money lenders are private lenders, in my opinion. Not all private lenders are hard money lenders though. So you need a hard asset. Sort of, I mean, so like, uh, so like think about uh, Longhorn Investments. They're pretty big here. They're mm -hmm. uh, based out of where, somewhere in Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, they are a hard money lender and they are a, but I would consider more of an institutional investor. You're right. I mean, I mean that's it's, bigger. It's, uh, so again, hard money just looks harder at the asset than it does at Person. your credit worthiness. Right. Whereas so, a private money lender is going to look at whatever they want it's right. to each their own. So private money lenders, what I like to think of is like, hey, I've got a rich uncle. Uh, I can, hey, can you lend me some money? Yeah, or maybe you might have grandparents that have a big uh, retirement account. Well, they can lend out of their account to you as well. Exactly. Something along those lines. Exactly. Or again, or a brother or whoever. Anyone. Somebody with money and is, uh, you know, willing to lend you money because they've seen, hey, you're flipping houses, you're wholesaling and, and you're making some good money and you're just looking to try to start buying rentals. So again, you've got some experience, you can show them uh, that, you know, you're, you're doing this real estate thing. That's it. Yeah. So know your numbers, guys. Um, always, when it comes to what to purchase, always be looking at your location. Uh, have have metrics in place for the type of property, and um, know what your rents are going to be, so you can determine your cash flow. Very very important. When funding, you have several options: cash. Um, you can get a bank loan. You can get a private money loan. You can use a hard money loan, um, or you can even create a fund, which is kind of a, a more advanced strategy. So that's kind of. Uh, you know what it comes to when it when when you're determining what to purchase and then how to purchase it. Anything you want to add, Mike? Let's go buy some rentals. Let's do it, man. Let's go look at some. I'm actually excited to do so. All right, guys, we're signing off. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to season two of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in.